Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Roros, we're thrilled to be joined today by Sam Sanders, co-host of the pop culture podcast Vibe Check and former host of Vulture's Intuit podcast, which is where we had the pleasure of first meeting him when Prince Harry's memoir Spare debuted. Sam, this means it's officially been a year since we last spoke, and we could not be happier to do it in this context to discuss the final installment of The Crown. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. And I'm thinking about the year that's passed. A year ago, all that we could talk about was Harry. But after finishing this new crown season, I just want to talk about the queen. I know. She's that girl. She's that girl. She's that girl. Yes. Peter Morgan's true north, for sure. Yes. Okay, so we'll be focusing our discussion today largely on season six, part two, which picks up in 1998 and spans seven years, ending in 2005, but also the whole of season six in general, which leads us to our first question for you, Sam. You told us via voice memo, which we are huge fans of, we love that, that you're not a crown devotee, but you are a Diana devotee, which is why you tuned in now. Please tell us more all about your love of Diana. Yeah, I just remember the love that my mother had for her. So when I was a kid, my family was a very bookish family. We like read a ton of books. We all did. I was one of those kids who would be beneath the covers at night with the flashlight. But as much books as we read, we watched a lot of fucking TV. And my mother loved TV and movies. And it was a way that we would bond over culture. And I remember... Some movies she would cry at. Like, she always cried at Still Magnolias. Yes. She always cried at the end of my best friend's wedding for whatever reason. I mean, I I see that. <laughs> right, right. But she would never cry at the news. The only news event I ever saw my mother cry about was Princess Di's funeral. And I remember mm. this grown woman who had no connection to the monarchy, to Diana, to the UK. She was acting like her own sister had died. And so she sat there the whole day and watched the whole thing. I just sat there with her and I was like, if it matters to my mom, it matters to me. You know, it matters to me. (laughs) Totally, totally. And ever since then, I've just kind of looked at Princess Di as almost this imperial superstar. No one does it like, did it like her, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody. Absolutely. So how did it feel tuning in for season six? Oh, I definitely was like, whoever they have to play her is not going to be able to do the job. There is no princess type of princess type. But then I see this actress and wow, like she really did it. She really Mm -hmm. did it. It was amazing. I know. Elizabeth Debicki was just so stellar in the role. I mean, it's hard to follow Emma Corrin, too, but Elizabeth Debicki really nailed it. It's almost the way they talk, too. It's like they convey that Mm -hmm. person through the way that they talk. And it's it's just it's really It's really wild. Oh, yeah. Well, and like the thing about Princess Di is like, you know that she is the sweetest, loveliest, kindest person in the world, but she's also kind of a passive aggressive bitch. (laughs) And you have to like (laughs) deliver that. She's very just like, well, you know, I think you're ugly, but that's okay. Stop landmines. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, like you have to do that and like thread that needle. And the actress did that phenomenally. Yes, she was fantastic. All right. Well, let's dive into season six, part two, because we want to hear your take, Sam. And we decided to break this up into four sections. So we're going to do highs and lows of part two, which is those last six episodes that came out in December. Then we're going to do what we all fact checked or Googled. 
the Emmy goes to. So we award an Emmy for the best performance. And then lastly, a royal review out of 10. What are our scores out of 10 for the whole part two? So Sam, I'll let you start with your low of this whole part two. My low. Mm. I would have loved a little more humanizing of Dodie's father. Mm. We know he was on some bullshit. We know (laughs) he was kind of a bad guy in this story, but he also was a father who was grieving his son. And I think a lot of the plot for him after the car accident just showed the worst of him and not the reality of a grieving father. I mean, the lies he was spreading were awful, but also, you know, so that I would have loved a more 360 version of him on the screen. Yeah, they really humanize him in the first part of season six. And then they totally flip the script to be like Mm -hmm. this awful guy who actually died last year, I believe. Yeah. So really interesting because he was back in the news for a little bit. But besides that, people really wrote him off after the conspiracy theories kind of. Yeah, yeah, his dedication to those conspiracy theories. I totally see that. I know. I think that he had that glimmer. Was it in season five where he was at that match polo match with Diana that that was a really great moment for him? But but that chasing of British citizenship was just really kind of made him seem so just transparent and following one one goal only. Yeah. 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 And Diana called him Moo Moo, right? Or Momo? Moo Moo? Yeah. That was yeah, the name there of was, episode, There's right? like an yeah. endearing quality Aww. to him in some of the earlier episodes. Yeah. I'll go next. My low is on the flip side of that, just the whole Operation Paget, the way that that was dredged up because I really wasn't tuning into Royal News at that time. And just to see... Prince William and Harry relive some of that, the questioning that they had to go through. We see William kind of tearing up when he has to answer those essay questions. It's just, it's all so sad. And mm-hmm. and to see behind the scenes of what Peter Morgan visualizes that looking like is just really heartbreaking. Yeah, I forgot about the distance between the death of Diana and then that inquiry into her, how it all happened. So to have that come back, like I was particularly or it got me thinking about reinvestigating the state of the car. Like, I'm like, does mm. the car exist somewhere in its battered form? It must, right? They must you hold see that, that, right? Yeah, they, they, they show do, it. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, for police investigation purposes to hold on to it, I guess that's what happens with something like this. Totally. What about you, Rachel? So I had two, and I'm not meaning to do two, but one is personal to me. Will's mania made me feel very, very bad about myself because I Mm. was 16 at the time. And I was I'm part of some Facebook groups where they talked about sort of this, you know, ascension of Will where they made him in the wake of his mother's passing this heartthrob status. He was on the cover of magazines Mm -hmm. and I was a subscriber to a particular magazine called YM, Young and Modern. Oh, yeah. And I think that was one of the first magazines to make it. And it's totally, (laughs) I know, exactly, exactly. And I absolutely penned William letters and seeing this depicted on screen, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm part of the problem. I really am in this royally obsessed format. But also he loved it. He loved it. Did he love it though? If you read the letters, you love it. Yeah, but then he was like, take away the Valentine's mail. So I got kind of distressed in that part. But also Carol Middleton's arc. Like, I Mm. feel like the crown did her kind of dirty. Like, I just. So dirty. You know, I could, I do feel like we've read that she shifted Kate's 
dis- college aspirations and made sure she went to St. Andrews. As would I. Yeah. There's a golden opportunity here. Come okay. on, try it out, try it out. But I felt like this was so pointed in the sense of her being such a social climber and mm. especially when Kate's boyfriend came over, originally Rupert, and she was so cold, this actress playing Carol Middleton. Yeah. I wonder what her take is on her portrayal. I thought the actress did a really good job too, though. I thought she yeah. did a great job portraying, yeah. like just I, just Carol. It, she looked like Carol so much to me. Well, it it is also very interesting that the show seems to want us to dislike her because she understands the necessity of social climbing and social status. Yeah. When the entirety of the monarchy is about status and climbing and who is at this high level. Yeah. Like, of course, this is the game. Of course, this is is the game. Like, how do you think royals stay royals? By knowing who's of what status. So, like, why are we mad at her for playing the game? And she won. She won. She did. She totally did. (laughs) Yeah. And she doesn't, like, she doesn't talk to the press at all. Yeah. You know, she's very quiet. And there's very few people around them that I feel like they can really trust. And Kate's family is those people. They really have stayed pretty mum about everything and tight-lipped and all of that. So Yes, absolutely. They did do her dirty, that's for sure. All right, the (laughs) highs. Sam, what was your high of the last six episodes? The episode in which the Queen's sister has her health issues with multiple Mm -hmm. strokes. I found it really poignant. Um, Stroke has affected a lot of folks in my family. Three of my aunts, my mother... And I think the beauty of this episode was showing that for a lot of older people, the health issues that bring them to death, it's never just one and done. Oftentimes, it's a recurring thing. And oftentimes, in the midst of this decline, you have choices to make. Do you do everything your doctor says to be healthy, but you're unhappy? Or do you live a fucking life? life? And so we see, yeah, we see in this episode... The queen's sister, who has the best medical care money can buy, who, you know, has whatever she wants at her beck and call, she still faces what all of us will face at the end, which is our bodies failing us. And I admired how, to the very end, she chose joy through her food and her drink and her cigarettes. And I'm like, you know what, girl? Die happy. Go out happy. At no point did I begrudge her that. Um, Watching her suffer in that way, even having the best care in the world, was heartbreaking. But I I don't know if it felt noble that she would choose to go out on her own terms. Yeah, when she was putting that heel on to like grimacing through the pain and stuff. And I I don't mean to steal my thunder from my head, but something I did fact check was that bathtub incident. Because I was like, did it did happen? And it's even it so firmly happened. It's on the royal family's website. But they did say that they aren't confident. Nobody is confident if it was a second stroke or just a residual side effect from her earlier strokes because she got especially forgetful and sort of fatigued. And so she may have turned the boiling taps on Mm. and been sort of stunned by that based on her side effects from the earlier strokes but it did happen very concretely my first question when that happened i was like why where is the the royal bath keeper shouldn't they be in the room with her (laughs) who was watching her is she allowed to lock the doors like i was like thinking about all that too the steam they do say in a lot of the reports (gasps) from that year that cook did see the steam coming out of the door and the door was locked and they had to break it down i know baby i know she was such a like i don't know she was the fun sister i loved her i was like she was she was it 
you're so right. She was the the consummate royal party girl until the, her very last dying yeah. breath. The the line that she said that got me. I was crying at this. She said, "I'm not ready to leave this particular party." Oh no! I stabbed to the heart. Yeah. This was actually the only episode that I really cried at for this yeah. season too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not single. I mean, I sorry for part two. The relationship between Elizabeth and Margaret, that sister bond, it's like highs and lows, but you just the love is so rich. Yeah. So yeah. yeah no, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Roberta, what was your high? My high of the last six episodes was the return of Olivia Coleman and Claire Foy. I just, I loved seeing them again. I loved that they were more interwoven into the storyline than I thought they would be. So I saw that picture online of them standing next to Elizabeth next to her coffin at the very, very end. And I thought they just kind of made a cameo without speaking. But they had this kind of nice, it was the echoes of, part one where they brought back Dodie and Diana as ghosts. It really felt like that, but it was ghosts of Elizabeth's former self. So I just love that they were in it and they kind of counseled her. I didn't agree with Olivia Coleman's Queen Elizabeth saying that she should abdicate. I thought that was a bit odd. Yeah. I don't think that Queen Elizabeth ever... This is something I fact-checked too. Did she really consider abdicating and the answer was no she told people close to her she would never abdicate throughout her whole life so that was interesting but that was that was definitely my high yeah i like that her earlier selves were the voices in her head for sure yeah 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 also good for not abdicating like fuck that like this idea that charles was young and vital he never was young and vital yeah. We're ready for the job. Exactly. I feel like that was a big point too, ready for the job. Yeah. Well, I did like that at the end with Prince Philip and the Queen where they were talking about that, how she can't leave because no one is ready. Like no she can't. Ready. And then how he was like, when this all, when they take over, we'll be in the ground. Basically, it got kind of dark, but and kind she's of right. true. She's yeah. right. I mean, yeah. name one moment of King Charles that you've enjoyed since he's been king. Can't do it. Aww, poor Can't Charles. do it. Poor Charles is like we our love going race. to the coronation. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Right. We did okay. go to the coronation. That was pretty good. Yes, yes. All right, my high. I just got to talk about William and Kate. The arrival of this relationship mm. on the small screen. I thought it was totally steamy, which I'm like in in crown terms, right? With the fashion show, and I did also like how Kate had the upper hand. Like she kind mm-hmm. of didn't give William any attention. It's so at the opposite of how the press has sort of portrayed this relationship. Mm -hmm. And she's such a catch. And it also celebrated her, what we all know about Kate and William is the athleticism and the competitiveness. I thought that was Mm -hmm. very much true to form and Peter Morgan's lifting Kate up. So I I did want to ask you both, though, because I think I've seen some commentary on this. Do we believe that Ed McVeigh was hot enough as a young Prince William or not hot enough. I think so. I think so. What do you think, Sam? For me, it's just the hair. If the yeah, hair the does hair. the swoosh that you yeah. need, if it's a head full enough of hair, I'll go with it. And it was okay, fine. Okay. He would smile and it was so derpy. I was like, Stop, just just sit there and smolder. <laughs> Don't smile at me. Yes, I think that was, I wanted it a little more smoldery, like yeah. more heartthrobby or something. Yeah. I almost wanted yeah. his hair to be a little more swoopy, like mm-hmm. how he talked about it went in front of his eyes. But I did love Ed McVeigh, so. I thought who they had as Harry did not work. Oh, no, me either. Oh, no. Me either. The bone structure was off. Too st- the face was too slender. It wasn't his face. We're getting ahead what? of our... I want to talk about this in the Emmy... In the Emmy sec- I'm so with you, Sam. So, okay. so with you. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. All right, what did, what did you Google and fact check, Sam? Oh, I Googled everything about Kate's mom. Okay, okay. I was like, this cannot be. And it turns out we'll never actually know. <laughs> They're like, well, maybe, but we don't know. And it's like, fine. But I was like, this cannot be for real. But maybe it's for real. What do y'all think? Is it for real? 
I don't. I don't think it was as calculated as the right? crowd made it seem. Yeah, it was so yeah. intense. That said, I wanted all of it to be true because, yes, ma'am, go for it. Get it. <laughs> she believes in her daughter, yeah. And that speech she gave to Kate where she's sitting on her bed and she's like, "Go, you're never not good enough for anything you want. Bam. I was like, okay, yes. Carol yes. Middleton <laughs> inspiring all of us. That's right. Like, I, I really loved that. I don't think I, – I do think they did her dirty – and but but we do know, like Rachel said, that she did steer her towards St. Andrews, which was William's choice, which was kind of out of the blue, and that gap year in Chile. So those were two major things that she kind of steered her towards. I didn't know about the gap year in Chile that they were within a few weeks of each other. That I did Google as well. Yeah, I think I was sort of surprised to see like it, it was a reminder of how different Kate and Will's upbringing was in the way mm. of like her mom's an air stewardess from British Airways, like. She grew up in a normal house. Like, it just, it was such a big deal. Diana was a commoner, but she wasn't, she really, she was almost more, her family was more royal than the Windsors mm-hmm. at one yes. point. So it's just, it was really interesting to kind of have that. Kate is all of us in yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? I just still think poor Rupert. Like, the stone face of Kate's mom when the first boyfriend came over, she oh, yeah. was just, like, <laughs> not so here cute, for it. Too. <laughs> it was oh. so sad. Okay, what else did we Google? Roberta, do you want to go? Yeah, I Googled if the Queen Mother actually died the night of Kate's fashion show. Can you imagine? <laughs> like those oh, two things. <laughs> like she died when Kate oh wore that dress. God. And they, they made it seem like that, but it wasn't they actually did. that night. Okay. It was okay. it was three days That's later. So. I took that as truth for some reason, but what a good thing to Google. <laughs> That's so natural. I was like, yeah, of course, the Queen Mother died the moment mm-hmm. she knew her future, the future queen would have <laughs> worn almost nothing on stage. <sighs> yeah, it was March 30th, 2002. And the, the fashion show, I looked it up, was March 27th. So it was a little bit of time. But I also Googled if Kate really ever met Diana and Will on the street in oh, 1996. Yes. I found oh. that so interesting on Peter Morgan's part to kind of yeah. include they go up to her, they donate money for the big issue which is like that charity that they're supporting and handing mm-hmm. out newspapers for and this never happened during a walkabout in wales she was asked about diana and she said i never sadly got to meet her said that diana would have been a wonderful grandmother to her and william's three children she said she'd be brilliant we miss her every day but she did never met her which was an interesting creative liberty to take yeah absolutely well that was that's what i kept trying to piece together the entire series and i couldn't land on like a cohesive theory like was there a through line with what they chose to elaborate on, with what they chose to dramatize, or yeah. was there not? I didn't see a through line. They were just kind of like, okay, here, okay, there. <laughs> yeah. Did y'all see a, a through line at all? No, I feel like it is, it's all over the place sometimes because Tony Blair, and then you kind of shift back toward Margaret. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I really loved the very beginning seasons of The Crown so much more because they covered these like very big touch points in the queen's life and so there's that focus of like there was the Aberfan mining disaster and there's VE day and and this just seems a little disjointed I totally agree with you what do you think Rachel well yeah I felt like I was watching almost checking my watch because I felt the pressure of having six episodes left and there was you know so much focus on Diana the last couple of seasons and so to then have to go and make up for lost time and then spend a whole episode again kind of on VE day mixed in with the Margaret storyline it's just, I, I think this is what The Crown does best with a, the final part of season six, but it, there just wasn't enough time left and to properly do it. Well, the whole time watching it, I, I'm like knowing, all right, this is the last season. 
how are they going to land this plane? How yeah. will they land this plane? How will they land this plane? And yeah. that is like the question that looms over the entire last yeah. season. And they land the plane beautifully, but mm-hmm. you can't stop thinking about how they're going to land the plane. Yes, exactly that. Like it's just the everything in your brain the yeah. whole time you're watching. Yeah. 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 I want to say two things that I Googled. I, I mean, I clearly Googled more than this, but I was blown away, speaking of that VE Day episode, by the actress that played a young Queen Elizabeth when she goes down at the Ritz Hotel. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is Claire Foy. They That's just what somehow, I said too. And I actually went, her, so it's not. The actress is named Viola Pretty John. And I went to her Instagram page and the hmm. comments when she shared that she was a part of the crown are like, I honestly thought younger Elizabeth was a younger Claire Foy that was wow. AI generated. Yes. <laughs> wow. It really was so bizarre was to me how much she looks like Claire Foy. Yeah. Was- I also love how like the crown's interpretation of 1940s integration was the best jazz you've ever heard dancing with the <laughs> hottest black guy in the history of yes, all mankind. Yes. Like, was they so were doing that in the 40s. Yes. That's where we were in the 40s. I'm not sure we were that integrated at that point. I'm sorry. It was very, she walks downstairs and I was like, what is this utopia? What the hell? And then that asshole is like Harlem's a ghetto. I was like, like, okay. It doesn't look like it. It looks pretty fucking great. It was that singer when she started singing. I was just like, I want to be at this party so bad. It was incredible. I also wanted to look up the golden Jubilee balcony moment with Queen Elizabeth and Prince William Mm. by her side. I Mm. obviously, I think that was fictionalized. We don't, I don't think that there's any confirmation that he was with the Middletons watching it, but just seeing her, you know, Mm -hmm. smoldering on the balcony, it did actually happen. I do want to ask you, do you guys, as you watched, did you feel that Peter Morgan did in fact read Spare? He said that he didn't, but didn't it feel a little bit like that was hard to accept a little bit? He told Variety he didn't read it before filming. And this is our one year Spare anniversary together, so got to talk about it. And I had the same question, Rachel, and I kept telling myself, I looked up the same thing that he didn't read it and also that the researcher fact checker for the crown also didn't read it is what's reported in the new york times i have a hard time believing that there's so much from spare that i feel like carries over the fact that harry was really against the marriage of his father and camilla and william was kind of just able to accept it and go along with it that was part that was from spare i would have thought i would have assumed not knowing that that both of them were really against it so yeah I don't know. I think he read the coverage of the book, but yes. I think in general, he doesn't care about Harry that much. Yeah. He it really about doesn't. The monarchs. It is yeah. about the monarchs. So true. Yeah. And like, you know, he could have spent so much more time dwelling on the Nazi swastika incident. Yes. He doesn't. Yeah. He's like, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So my feeling was that like, whatever information exists about Harry and the book, whatever, whether he knows it or not whether he reads it or not, he doesn't care about that guy. <laughs> yeah. that's No, I think that that's true. It, it was actually the Nazi costume moment too, though, because the book was what confirmed that William was with him at the shop when it was oh. chosen and Kate. But you're right. If he just read the coverage of it, that was very widely that. covered. You could have yeah. gotten a lot of yeah. that. From also, it. Yeah, Kate so. is voice of reason being like, maybe you shouldn't get that one. <laughs> and he still gets it. Peter Morgan had Kate on a pedestal through this. Like, the, I just feel like yeah. he really loves he Kate. He did. So, yeah. 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 And I I like that he also doesn't excuse it. Like he, I think Philip is the one who says like it's just unlucky that there were pictures taken of him. And I was like, no, that is not the lesson here. <laughs> the lesson and, is he made a bad choice, right? And I'm glad that Peter Morgan left it like that because it is such a bad choice that should never be excused. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. okay, thank you, Peter Morgan, for not just like completely washing over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. 
The Emmy goes to Sam. Who would you war- award best performance to for The Crown season six? It's just the queen. It's just the queen. I mean, that even just that last shot where she's just walking through the motherfucking palace. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's so good. It's so good. She walks for such a long such time. A I'm like, such a long time. I thought my screen had paused. I was like, no, she's still walking. She's still walking. It was so good. It was so and good. the door kind of opened. My watch at that point. Yes. The door kind of opens for her. Yes. No one opens it. Isn't it heaven? It's supposed so to be great. heaven. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was just lovely. And there, there's just this polish the entire time. Yeah, she's my queen. She Aww. is my queen. Yeah. I love it. Roberta, what about you? I, lo- I just love that Peter Morgan decides that she's like, we. Ha- she goes to heaven at the yeah. end. Yeah. I just like that he has that power. He's like, and she goes to she heaven. She goes to heaven. That's the end. <laughs> I am going to give it to Ed McVeigh, who played Prince William. Okay. I feel like in contrast to Luther Ford, who played Harry, he's really a standout and he really conveys William's anger at his mother's death too there's a lot of these angry outbursts that i feel like i'm so glad that they left in because i do feel like this tormented angsty teenager just comes across so well especially that library scene there's that Mm -hmm. awkward conversation like that i just i think he did a really good job i read a fun fact about ed mcveigh was that he's an usher or he was an usher at a theater in london and actually ushered Dominic West before he even knew him to the wrong seat for a play. Stop. Isn't that so interesting? <laughs> that's amazing. His future father. Yeah. Father. yeah. That's yeah. That's oh, I wanted to say Luther Ford is the opposite of what are what is the bad um Emmys, the Razzies? Is yeah. That it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. giving a Razzie to Luther Ford, which sounds really mean, but Ooh. In the New York Times, Sarah Lyle backs me up. She said, Luther Ford seems like a charmless, angry Ron Weasley, bizarrely sporting Prince Valiant style bangs. It's so Ooh. true. I did not like him as Prince Harry. Yeah. It I thought the work. age the age was off for me too because we picked up in part two in 1997 and so they jumped with the actor you know it was recast obviously but he just suddenly was so much older like when he gave the condoms to William at the yeah. A yeah. level exams I was like this just seems way more advanced than also, I don't know it was his very face this dude Luther Ford his face is narrow yeah. and <laughs> angular and sharp. And Harry has a chubby face. Yeah. They both Harry's did. Yeah. Here, he is. Yeah. I guess, like, yeah. I want him more cheek, if that makes sense. Anywho. Yeah, it didn't yeah. work for me. And more endearing. Not so, yes. like, he was, like, bad boy, but yeah. not, like. No, this thing. Harry's, Harry's a really charmer. Endearing. He's an endearing yeah. charmer and is a soft thing. You want to give him a hug. And that yeah. never came across. That never came so across. So true. So true. Rachel, what about you? My Emmy goes to Leslie Manville. For obvious reasons, everything we stu- discuss, she plays Princess Margaret. And I just feel like she was the one that just really led me to cry. But she really nailed sort of those emotional scenes, but then yeah. mixing in humor, like Cousin Halifax. Every oh, yeah. time. <laughs> I just thought that was so beautifully done. And. And, you know, I really loved, I, I would give the Emmy to her. Yeah. 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 Totally. So good. The comedic relief, too, of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, where they're, they're like, the history of fart. And she's like, what did he say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Her having hearing job. problems the whole time. I was like, yes. oh, God, we needed that comedic yes. relief so but much. But really capturing, like you said, the, like what she went through in those final days and how gutting it is when you're not ready to go and, and also just would love to keep living your life as is when she went back Mm -hmm. to Mystique, all of that. So Emmy to Leslie Manville. All right. Our Royal Review out of 10. Sam, what would you say for season six? (gasps) 7.5. 7.5. What is the reason for that? They didn't fuck up Princess Di. They didn't fuck up the queen. 
Okay. So like, I salute you. Like going into it, I was like, no, how can they possibly get this right? How can you possibly portray that right? And they, in general, everything about her and the death, they got right. I do want to ask you while you're here, what, because we talked mostly about part two, but what did you think of part one and how they handled the passing of Diana? Really tasteful. And it, I, I thought the most interesting question it posed to the viewer was what it means to make a decision when you're at Princess Di's level of fame. So she decides to get in the car to go back to the apartment. But anytime you make a decision at that level, it's not just you making the choice. There's a security detail. There's a driver. There's the other folks. And so she made a choice not knowing that the driver had drunk too much, right? And it's just like watching that play out, you know, she made the choice, but it's not her fault. But uh, also, is it? I don't, like that complexity was displayed really well. It also confirms for me that, like, you only want to be as famous as still being able to drive yourself around. As soon yes. as you're too famous to drive yes. yourself, it's a problem. That's my yeah, theory. That's a, that's a good point. I yeah. like that. But no, I, I think they handled that well. I think it humanized the queen and the monarchy overall in a way that I didn't expect. I came into this season pretty much anti-monarchy. And by mm. the end, when the queen is just walking down the hallway, I'm like, mm. monarchy forever. Yeah, I'm <laughs> a royal, loyal subject. I you know? know. It, it made they me really miss get you. the queen yes. so much yeah. at the end. Yeah, it is a great act of monarchy building. You support the monarchy in ways you didn't think you could by the end of this season. Yeah. And you feel for them. You feel for them. I love that the queen is now is your girl. Oh, I she's love, my girl. I, I she's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Roberta, what was your review out of 10? I'm going to give Peter Morgan and the Crown a 7 out of 10. Overall, I feel like for me, the crown shines when they take us behind the palace walls and you get to see like those job interviews where Queen Elizabeth is interviewing the yeoman of the swans and <laughs> mm-hmm. the herb strewer and things like that that are just so fascinating. And I just I really love that they build out those little moments a lot. The bagpiper, her picking her last song for the funeral, Sleep, Deary, Sleep. Like, oh, that was I really just, touching. Oh, my God. Peter Morgan has such a soft spot for the royals and I hope that he continues to tell some of these stories I think they said there's rumors that they were going to do a prequel and like go into Queen Victoria and I would watch I would totally tune I in want I want a think prequel they do a on the job. staff because the yeah. favorite part of that scene was when the domestic workers sit down and sing with the bagpipes oh I wanted that woman's yes. entire backstory yes Hers. yes yeah. Oh, so or the good. guy that's like obsessed with folding the napkins a certain yeah. way. Like those oh. people, I don't know, just like the generations of learning that and she was like, I I can't fire any of these people. Yeah. Like I I can't let yeah. any they don't have any other skills yeah. except that. Yeah. Like they literally can't do anything. But but it was it was just so wonderful. So I, I loved it. I think a seven out of ten is uh, although I docked points because I do feel like the earlier seasons like we discussed, it's just like the history of it. And this felt a little too close to home. And it, it was like we knew too much already. So what about you, Rachel? I'm also saying seven out of 10. I feel like we're all in line here. But I do yeah. feel like it was just that feeling in the last season of watching the clock, even in the part part one where you have four episodes to go through so much. And in that, But in that, it was covering about two weeks time, a little longer than that. And then in part two, you're just 
it's so many right and left turns. You're all over the map yeah. like, to keep my eye on the clock that whole time. But I did love how we went back to those that sort of romanticized fictionalization, particularly with the VE Day episode, mm. where the, we know that that's one of the Queen's most beloved nights of her entire life. We have no idea what happened, but I liked Peter Morgan's imagining of that in the sense that maybe it was totally not timely or appropriate with what was actually going on in 1940. But I felt like I like visualizing her having the best night of her life. Or Malta. They flash back to Malta a lot and they do weave in the like best moments of her life. This is what happened in her and Philip. And I, I think I also I I dogged points for being too kind to Charles. Oh, yes. Dominic West yes. is way too handsome for Charles. Yeah. Charles was never that hot. Also, he always says the right thing in part two. Like, he's so emotionally adept. And I'm like, that is not how we know him from Spare. So I will say, and this is a total detour, but we have to talk about it before we finish. When they had Charles and Camilla do the prayer of atonement at the wedding. Oh, oh my God. God. (laughs) And then they just had to, like, sit there and read it. Oh, my God. That was excruciating to watch. Yeah. Yes. And I guess that happened. I didn't fact check that one. Yeah, the queen had convinced herself that she was doing the nice thing by doing this. And it's like, girl, no. <laughs> it was I bad. know. And that she was didn't awful. even go to the first yeah. part of it. Ugh. Like, I, th- I thought that. But then she gave that really That speech sweet was so speech. nice. Yeah. And I, and I did look up, too. I fa- I Googled the, the speech. And it did have a lot of that. And everyone said they were in stitches about it. And, like, Aww. the anecdotes from guests that were there were, like, it was hilarious. And it was kind. And she said, my son is home and dry with the woman he loves. So Aww. that really happened. And that made up maybe for that. But maybe. the prayer was, like, our so wickedness. Were, <laughs> yeah. It was really it was intense. so bad. The words were yeah. searing in that moment. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Sam, this has been such a joy. We could talk about this for a lot longer with you. And, yeah, and so I, much I, fun. we so appreciate you coming on and we will make, tell our audience where we can keep up, continue to keep up with you and your work. Too. Yeah, I am on all the social channels at Sam Sanders, the at sign S-A-M-S-A-N-D-E-R-S. I post the most on Instagram uh, and I host a podcast with two dear friends of mine, uh, journalist and Tony Award winning producer Zach Stafford and poet and author Saeed Jones. That show is called Vibe Check. We publish episodes every Wednesday. I think you'll like it. And uh, the back catalog of uh, Intuit from Vulture still exists. If you scroll back through, you can hear the three of us right here talking about Spare uh, last year. So fun. We had the best time joining you there. Delightful. Delightful. Yeah. Thank you, Sam, and Happy New Year to you, too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.